Welcome to His Hands, His Feet podcast. I'm your host, Kenneth Camp. Well, I have taken a few weeks off to um, work outside before the heat rolled in here in Texas. And uh, if you don't live in the Texas area, believe me, it has rolled in. It is in the mid to upper 90s the last several days, and so I am not doing a whole lot of work out on the property these days. So I'm going to get back to recording some podcast episodes. You know, it's been a few weeks since my last one, and so I'm excited to get some um, content recorded for you, uh, albeit at a summer pace. We'll probably do about two a month until fall comes, and hopefully that's the plan that we'll get back to is weekly podcast episodes. But if you've been listening to His Hands, His Feet podcast, you know that the purpose, the reason of this podcast is to encourage and equip you to live a life on mission. And I really do believe that um, the best way to live a fulfilling life is to first discover what your purpose is in life and then to walk that out. Now, for you, it might be a lifelong purpose. And for others, like myself, it may be something that changes through different seasons of your life. But bottom line, again, is I do really do believe that God has given each one of us a purpose and a mission for this life that we we live here. And so this morning, what I uh, plan on doing is just digging into a blog post that I wrote a few years back, and its uh, content, its topic is uh, still very um, valid for today and very important, I, I believe, to uh, dig into, and that is the key to the missionary problem. So about seven years ago, I was riding in the back of a small van with about four or five of my friends. One um, is still a missionary friend of mine that lives on an island in the South China Sea. And this island has uh, two major cities, one on the north end of the island, which is um, basically industrial, and then one on the south end of the island, which is basically um, tourism-focused. And beautiful island, subtropical, and so it's got uh, all kinds of uh, plants and and wildlife all over the island. And then there's a a range, a mountain range that goes right down the middle of it. And it's just, it's a gorgeous view no matter where you're at on the island. And so we were driving around on this island, again, in a small van. Um, And what we were doing is we were looking for villages that were that are scattered all over this island and, and these villages just a few hundred people in them and they can be down a, a dirt path just about uh, some of these and what we were doing was locating them so that our missionary friend could uh, mark them on his map you know uh, on his gps so that he would know where it was so he could return to that village and hopefully begin building relationships with those that live there this was my second trip um, to the island and to work with our missionary friend and uh, on this one again it was just a group of guys I think it was a total of five and so I'm riding around in the back of that van and I'm reading this book and the title of the book is the key to the missionary problem a passionate call to obedience to action or inaction and I'll just kind of walk you through some of the main points that uh, the author makes in the book as as we kind of you know roll out this episode podcast episode, but a little bit more about the island itself. Um, 
several different indigenous people groups scattered throughout the island. Most that live in the villages had never seen um, a Western face, somebody that lives in, a, in the U.S. or in a Western country. There's a, the majority people group that uh, has mostly have come over from the mainland or live mainly in the big cities, and then there also are towns scattered around the island that are about five to 10,000 people. And on a, a previous trip uh, with my wife and a couple of other friends of mine, we uh, were in one of those small towns, and I'll never forget this, and I may even post this picture on the website if I could find it. it um, the people, we were walking across this plaza to go eat some, some dinner one night, and there were people stopping in their tracks to look at us and, and watch us. And it really gave me a feel for what celebrities must feel when they are out in public and people stop when they see them and, you know, began gawking and taking pictures and, and all that kind of thing. Well, that's exactly what was happening. And this picture that I have is I'm taking a picture of this guy with this with that incredibly astonished look on his face looking at us like, where did these people come from? And I don't know if he had never seen um, a Western face or if he was concerned about why we were there. I'm not sure. But then there's a, a person somewhere else in the picture who's taking a picture of us. So I'm taking a picture of him taking a picture, and they are just, you know, beside themselves that we are in their little town. And so we, you know, encountered this all, all through um, the island, whether it be in a small town or in a small village. But... Um, so back to driving around and me reading this book. And yes, I'm one of those people who can, uh, thankfully ride in a vehicle and read. In fact, I was in the very back seat most of the time, I think reading this book. And so I would read some, and it's not a very big book, but then I just, my heart would be convicted by what I just read. And I just shut the book and stare out the window. And there was actually a, a surreal, um, component to the whole adventure me reading this book about the missionary problem and here i am out in the middle of nowhere just about or at least on the other side of the world with a missionary friend of mine this is the problem the church is not the obedience or the determination to attempt the task to proclaim the gospel within this generation to every person she does not seriously desire to proclaim the gospel in every country on the face of the earth the christians of our day are not unitedly resolved to accomplish it. To accomplish it. Hmm. Well, you may think that, that that I wrote that, or it was just written here recently because it does apply to our generation, doesn't it? But the reality is, reality is, is that statement was written over a hundred years ago by An Andrew Murray, who wrote this book, "The Key to the Missionary Problem." The reason why he wrote this book is. He had been invited by Dwight L. Moody to a ecumenical missionary conference that was held in New York in 1900. Andrew Murray was not able to attend that conference, but you know, a couple years later, after he had read through some of the, the things that were talked about at the conference, he, he wrote this book, and it was a response to the conference. And, um, and that was his main statement. Again, I'll read it to you one more time. The church has not the obedience or the determination to attempt the task to proclaim the gospel within this generation to every person. She does not seriously desire to proclaim the gospel in every country on the face of the earth. 
and the Christians of our day are not unitedly resolved to accomplish it. So that was his indictment of his generation, and I would dare say it's it's true. It's a true indictment of our generation. And the other thing is, is that our generation has the means to reach into even these small villages and these in the very remote places all over this world because of technology that we have at our hand that that they didn't have back in the early 1900s. So what did he what's he say is um, are some of the components of this missionary problem. And so I'm going to go through four of them that he lists in the book and we'll just kind of talk about it a little bit. So I'm sitting there I'm reading this book and being very convicted and and going through this again today I'm still convicted because my heart hasn't changed a whole lot and that is the and that really is the first missionary problem that he lists and it's a personal problem. As churches and organizations we we tend to make all these grand plans and strategies and we have campaigns and we we even write it into our mission statements that that we are going to share the gospel to the ends of the earth but yet many believers lack a personal commitment to fulfill the great commission and so here I am I'm reading that and that's one after that's one of the ones that I shut the book on and just stared out the window because I knew it was true. Even though I was on this trip working with a missionary, I knew that I did not have the commitment. My, I did not have a personal commitment to see in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. You know, what I see, and I've been on staff at, on church, at, at churches as a youth pastor and then mo- more recently a missions pastor. I've served on the field for, um, for a few months in Thailand with my wife as a mission, you know, volunteer missionary. I've gone on many of these short trips of, you know, like a week or two at a time. But what I see is that our leaders and our pastors don't have a, they don't have a personal commitment to this end. And because of that, neither will the people that they lead. It really does need to come from the leaders and pastors of our churches to have this commitment to see the Great Commission fulfilled. Now, if they don't, does that let the rest of us off the hook? No, not not at all. We all have to have this commitment to fulfill the Great Commission. Oh, if we could make the missionary problem a personal one, if we could fill the hearts of the people with a personal love for the Savior who died for them, the indifference would disappear and the kingdom of Christ would appear. I so agree with what Andrew Murray said right there, and it's this part right here. If we could fill the hearts of the people with a personal love for the Savior who died for them, the indifference would disappear. If I would just simply fall in love with my Lord Jesus Christ, then I would eat, uh, breathe, sleep the Great Commission. That is what needs to happen in my life. Second missionary problem that Andrew Murray lays out is a lack of power. And where does the power for missions come from? Well, if you know anything about um, the, you know, the Bible, when Acts especially, you know, Acts one eight, the power for missions comes from the Holy Spirit. The goal is possible as possibly in view of the achievement of the accomplishments of the first generation Christians. That's what Andrew Murray, one of the things he said. 
And when you think about the first-generation Christians and what they accomplished with the means that they had, where they had to walk just about everywhere they went, where they had it was all face-to-face and word-of-mouth. Yes, they had letters that they could read, uh, write, and, and they would spread those around, but that was about it. And yet they turned their world upside down for the cause of Christ. Then Murray also refers to a story of the Moravians, which was a people group that in the um, 1700s, they were actually a small group of refugees. And <clears throat> they were in uh, kind of a, a Eastern European country or part of the world in, the, in that time frame. And they began to seek God and his power. And after they received an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, much like what happened on the apostles in, um, in the Acts in Pentecost back in the first century, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit began this prayer movement that went on for about 100 years, 24 hours a day, day in and day out. And out of that prayer movement, it, hundreds of lay people became missionaries and, and were sent all over the world. And the Moravians have that, that uh, legacy. Neither the Moravians, again, nor the first-generation Christians possessed any method or power that is not available to us today. In fact, Today's churches has centuries of theology, creed, and structure from which to draw from. However, just as in the day of Pentecost, none of that lasts or motivates for long without the power of the Holy Spirit. So there I am reading this book in the back of that van. Occasionally we would stop and, and get out and you know look for a village down some, some road. And you know, we would drive and do that each day, and then we would spend the night in, in a location, and the next day we'd move on to another one. And I'm reading that, and I'm like, God, I need the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what I have encountered way too many times is a couple of things. One is when I've uh, encountered opportunities that I really can see that it was God placing that opportunity in front of me, whether I'm on a trip like, like I'm describing here on this a small island or it's with a in, within a conversation with a friend here at home or a neighbor and I don't have the boldness that I need I don't have the compassion and the love that I need and a big reason why if, if not the only reason is the lack of power in my life Holy Spirit power and so there I am and I'm reading that and and the thought that comes to my mind is, who who do I think I am? You know, and at the time I was on staff as a missions pastor, and I remember thinking, who do I think I am? Attempting things like this without the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the third one that Andrew Murray lays out is is called the missionary problem is a lack of prayer. Another missionary problem is a lack of prayer. Now, you know, one of the things that we did when we were on this this trip, and I've, I've done this on many uh, short-term mission trips, and is a thing what we call prayer walking. And if you're not familiar with that, it's just like it sounds. It's walking and praying. And so we would stop in a village, and we would get, we'd pile out of the van, and of course, you know, people would look at us and stare at us. and But yet, at the same time, many would be friendly and, and even invite us into their um, home and all kinds of different types of homes in these villages, ranging from a mud hut with a thatched roof to uh, 
uh, structure built with with mud bricks to more modern looking you know buildings that are made out of cement blocks and so you would see all kinds but it didn't matter they would all you know you'd find all kinds that would invite us into their homes because they were curious and wanted to have a conversation with somebody that did not look and sound and think like they do and so we would pray, we would walk through these villages and we would pray <clears throat> and we would pray for a person of peace that's somebody that um, would be very open to talking to us and meeting us and possibly even as time goes went on build a relationship with our missionary friend that lived there we would pray for our favor in that community we would pray for whatever god spirit just uh, gave us discernment and, and revealed to us and so we pray for people and families and we pray for health and we pray for whatever god placed on our heart so we did a lot of praying on that trip but then i after at the trip and coming home the sustenance of praying that way sustaining prayer and it's like that doesn't exist uh, in, in most of our lives and in our homes. We become too consumed with our daily activities, and we go on. We come back, and we go back into our routines, and and we we um, maybe have the heart or the desire to continue to pray for God's great commission, but yet we don't. And Andrew Murray says it this way: One great and imperative need today of four missions work is the almost forgotten secret of prevailing prayer. Missions have progressed progressed so slowly abroad because piety and prayer have been so shallow at home. And, you know, I have missionary friends that have served for two decades or more in different parts of the world. And and, um, in some places they talk about just the slowness of the work and how it just takes perseverance. And those that have been on the field for a while if a team does come, the the main thing that they ask for is prayer. And if they have a, a team that, that is connected to them back home or a church back home and somebody and you know, people that support a missionary, one of the main things they'll ask for is prayer. Not for prayer for themselves, but prayer for the work. But yet, sadly, we here at home rarely gather to pray or receive the appeal by our own leadership to pray for the efforts around the world. I do see a little bit of a change, at least here in the Austin area where I live, you know, the last few years, where there's been more and more leaders calling us to prayer. And a lot of times it is prayer for what's going on, what God's doing in our midst and in our city and in our nation. And we need to have that kind of fervent prayer for what God's doing around the world. And then the fourth missionary problem that Andrew Murray lays out in his book is that the church doesn't understand its identity. He says the mission, it says missions has to be the chief end of the church. Now, having served on staff at, at a couple of churches and been a part of lay leadership in, in other churches as well, uh, what I notice, and it's very common, is that if the church has anything that resembles or is called a missions ministry or a missions program, that's exactly what it is. It's just one program among many in the church. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? I mean, there's, you know, everybody has kind of their uh, favorite ministry that they feel called to. But it's not 
enough for missions to be relegated to a separate silo alongside many other ministries and programs of the church. It really has to be the pulse, the heartbeat, the very reason the church exists. Missions, global missions, the Great Commission, ought to be woven through everything that we do as a church. And everything that we do, we ought to hold up and say, is the Great Commission woven through this ministry? And if it's not, then we ought to really evaluate why we're doing it. If we misunderstand this, then we really do misunderstand our identity as the church. If we want to see Christ come back in our lifetime, then we need to embrace this missionary problem. It's very simple, the four things he laid out. Again, it's a personal problem. It ought to be the priority in our lives. Two, the missionary problem is a lack of power. Well, we know where the power comes from. Instead of being afraid of the power of the Holy Spirit, we ought to welcome it in our lives. And when we welcome it in our lives, when we receive His power, we will be His witnesses to the end of the earth. Acts 1.8 Another one he lists out again is the, is the, uh, the lack of, of prayer. I know in my, pers- my life, this is something that I'm, I lack in every facet. And so this has convicted me just just as it was when I was riding around in that van seven years ago. It's convicting me today, and I hope it's convicting you as well. And then the last one is, is that missions has to be the chief end of the church. Our churches need to wake up, quit trying to, to run the business of the church in such a way that, that people will come and be a part of your church and be willing to be like the Moravians and us train up and equip and send hundreds around the world, thousands around the world, to invest our, our resources, our financial resources, into technology, into all kinds of means that will get the word out to people around the world. I don't know, maybe you've looked at this, maybe you checked out a long time ago, but if you're still listening to me, I hope that you're being convicted as I am, and that um, if you haven't read this book by Andrew Murray, again, it's the uh, key to the missionary problem. You can follow a link on my website. And just go to, if you're not on my website, just go to kennethacamp.com slash episode 25. And it'll take you to the show notes of this um, podcast episode. And you can follow a link to get that book. Thank you for listening. And thank you for joining me here at His Hands, His Feet. Until next time.